you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike. This is the Down East Mike Podcast. And you have found us on the World Wide Web or in your radio or something. But you found us. We're here. It's early morning in Down East, Maine. Quite a scene here today. I wish you all could be here to see it uh, around the cove there where the camp uh, the camp is. Uh, everybody's got their campfire going early. And there's lots of smoke drifting across the cove. And I think it's because of the mosquitoes are so thick this time of year that they're all... Uh, you know, they want to get up and get going and they get that smoke to blow the mosquitoes away. So that's blowing across there. Most of the boats have already left the harbor. They're out there because they, they've they got to keep going despite uh, despite what, what's going on at home. They might want to spend the day ashore, but they still have to keep going every day. Actually, a lot of them just like to be out on the water away from their significant others, male, female. Whatever, they just enjoy their time out on the water. I know I do. Um, I might I might even go fishing myself sometime soon. Big promise, I intend to. This is Down East Mike, episode 44. It's, uh, we have news and commentary. Today is July 13th. Uh, it's a Wednesday, 2022. Our motto is, some of this is whimsy, some of this is true. And the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. Uh, We have in today's episode headlines, pipelines, and terminals from this day, July 13th, 1973. We have a thief named Judge, July 13th, 1885. Lizzie getting arrested in Lisbon. That was on July 13th, 1885. And a feature story on Maine's wannabe crab. You'll want to stick around for that one. That's a good one. Our word of the day is caballero. And that's a noun. The definition of a caballero, we should spell it C-A-B-A-L-L-E-R-O-S. The definition of caballero is a knight or cavalier. It says chiefly southwestern U.S. a horseman. Do you remember on SCTV and one of the characters was Guy Caballero? I forget the actor that played that part, but I I remember Caballero. Let's use it in a sentence. Uh, The Marinsky men looked especially strong on this tour, especially the elegant Timur Askarov as the Caballero's son who falls in love with Paquita and decides to join her gypsy band. Uh, Ever the trickster, Dylan, in the Rolling Thunder Review was many things. Folk singer, songwriter, rock star, band leader, protester, actor, caballero. Do you remember when Bob Dylan was acting? I'm not sure if that was before or after his accident where he got all banged up and then he ended up at the big pink house up in Woodstock playing music with the band. Some good stuff came out of that. It wasn't all bad. 
first known use of caballero was in the year 1600, borrowed from the Spanish horseback rider knight, going back to the late Latin caballarius, horseback rider or groom. We don't see so many horseback riders around these days, do we, when we go about our business. I wonder, though, if they brought back hitchin posts at every store and they mandated that in some of their free time down in Augusta when they're making laws, if they mandated that every, every business place in the state of Maine had to have a hitchin post out front, would that bring back more horses? Because they've already got like the HOV lane and a bike lane, and if they brought back a hitchin post, then they also could have a horse and buggy lane, and that would be good. I saw a fellow the other day on 295, early in the morning, he's pushing his shopping cart down the side in the breakdown lane. He had like a suitcase and plastic bags and whatnot. He's heading towards Portland. He had good intentions, uh, but it's kind of a dangerous place to, to walk. Other words from 1600, uh, Coattail, coercive, darn, first used in 1600 in print, ever blooming, uh, hard handed, heart hole, garb, eye shot, fairyland, diversion. I think 1600 would have been a good time to be around just to enjoy all those words that were coming out. Bedroom, what did, where did they sleep before that in 1600 before? Well, special birthdays today. Uh, happy birthday today to Sue in Bath. Sue turns uh, 39 and a half, or about 40 today. Uh, she's a rising star in the biotech superfood industry with her seafood or seaweed horseshoe crab soup, which is curing sick people everywhere. We love Sue so much for that and the work that she's doing. We hope she runs for public office someday. They could use more people like her in government setting things straight. Happy birthday also to Sissy of New Sweden, Maine. She turns 98 and still drives to the market every day. She still has some of her original clothes. On this day on July 13th, 1973, there was an editorial in the Lewiston Evening Journal about the Alaskan pipeline. Those members of Congress who are opposing an Alaska pipeline for ecological reasons seem as blind and unyielding as those in our state who refuse to consider the construction of an oil refinery at Eastport. The proposed pipeline could not possibly result in extensive harm to the vast Alaskan wilderness. This largest among the states could contain a hundred pipelines and still not be threatened. Some are advocating running a pipeline across Canada. This will prove no bargain. The nation will be far better off to run the pipeline across Alaska to some port such as Anchorage. After all, pipelines for petroleum are not new. There's been one operating between Portland and Montreal a good many years, and this has caused no problems. You think about it. A pipeline just kind of lies there on the ground. It has no interaction with you in your daily business, does it? It's not like you hear it tinging away at night or gurgling sounds. 
It's truly ridiculous to assume a pipeline through the Alaska wilderness is somehow going to create havoc in that state. We wish to make sure the foregoing is not in any way intended as support or SOP to the big oil companies. Our sole concern is that the U.S. develop its oil resources and do so insofar as possible entirely on American soil. Isn't that interesting? 1973, same lines of discussion that we have today. And that was the, the headline, uh, seek, uh, Seeking a Stay of Refinery Hearing Order, and it was an appeal to the Maine Supreme Court. Uh, they, the, the attorney for the Coastal Resources Action Committee appeared to the Maine Supreme Court today to stay a lower court decision ordering a resumption of the Eastport oil refinery hearings. So on and on they went there. As we know, of course, that refinery did not go in. It also has a picture of Nixon on the cover. He looks a little bit spooky. I think it's because it's all grayscale. Uh, an associated story, the oil tanker, once the world's largest, is driven to the auction block. A story out of uh, Providence, Rhode Island. High seas predators in rumors of mutiny have driven the Hong Kong gallantry once the world's largest oil tanker, to the auction block. The rusting 17,420-ton tanker was en route from Sicily to New Bedford, Mass., in March with a load of West African oil when her heating coils broke down. All I can picture is uh, uh, Dennis Hopper in Waterworld, that Kevin Costner movie that they spent all that money on, the big rusting oil tanker. Uh, there followed a strike by crew members, boardings by lawmen, court suits, and finally seizure of the ship by federal marshals. Uh, charged with being more than 650000 in debt, the 628-foot gallantry was ordered to the auction block. A crew of 30 men returned to their homes in Hong Kong and Panama, and only nine officers remain, remain aboard, uh, a lawyer for one of the contesting parties said. So that ship was in service for 24 years, and then they were going to auction it off. Heating coils uh, deteriorated, and a cargo of oil turning to sludge. That's just nasty. So uh, let's see. Conditions were described as a real mess, and the crew was heating its food in buckets over wood fires on deck. How is that any different from what goes on today? Uh, 1973, on this day, you could see Roger Moore uh, as James Bond in Live and Let Die. And that had the Paul McCartney song in it. It's got a picture of, of uh, Roger Moore standing there with a stupid gun pointing up at the sky. He's got that, that funny look on his face. I think he was a one-dimensional actor, or maybe two-dimensional. That was at the Paris Lewiston Cinema. And I like how they had the phone number there so you could call them. 784-9882. You could call them right now and see what time the movie starts. Final week is air-conditioned. Evenings at 7 and 9 p.m. What else was going on at that time? You could see uh, Kirk Douglas and Johnny Cash in a gunfight. Boy, I bet that was a real dog. Uh, the Lakewood Theater all this week. Art Carney. The Prisoner of Second Avenue, also starring Barbara Carney. I'd run away from that one, too. The Aristocrats and Song of the South, 
were playing uh, at the Lewiston Drive-In, and those were Walt Disney movies. That was in 73. Sword of the Stone was playing in Technicolor, plus Biscuit Eater. I remember Sword of the Stone a little bit, but I don't remember Biscuit Eater. Clint Eastwood in Dirty Harry was playing. That was in Auburn at the drive-in. And The Legend of Boggy Creek was at the Lisbon drive-in. I bet people have some memories of being at the Lisbon drive-in, huh? One little blurb in the ad section here is Estes Lobster House in South Hopswell, Maine. You could get lobsters, crabs, clams, haddock. Quahogs. Now, you haven't seen quahogs on the menu for a while, have you? They're a nasty-looking clam, about a foot long. you got to dig them down to real low water. Then it has a little, blow, little blurb here that says, Your wife deserves to eat out at least once a week. Interesting, they don't put any parameters on that. They don't say, you know, any justification. There was an ad for employment. Egg pickers wanted, full and part-time girls wanted to pick eggs in a clean, hyphen, modern chicken house. Excellent wages, paid vacation, group insurance, apply it to Costa Egg Farms in Turner, Maine, or call Lee Weymouth. It's got his number. I'm not going to give that out. Think about it. if you're going to go pick eggs and, and they're offering excellent wages, paid vacation, and group insurance. What if you went to them and you said, um, let's talk about the order in which we, we do this. I would like my vacation first with my excellent wages and my insurance, and then I'll do the work. You probably want to start in that order. Uh, President Nixon was hospitalized. For treatment as viral pneumonia, uh, that was in Bethesda Naval Hospital. He was expected to remain hospitalized for at least a week. His press secretary was Ronald Ziegler at the time. Uh, the 60-year-old president was reported ill and entered the hospital in suburban Maryland Thursday night after a day-long schedule where he experienced discomfort from his ailment. It was the first time he'd been hospitalized since an injury to his knee during his presidential campaign in 1960, when he was running for office. Uh, July 13, 1885, at exactly three minutes past five o'clock Friday evening, the last section of the cord of the Cantilever Bridge across the falls at St. John, New Brunswick was dropped in place. I bet that same bridge is still there today. If you've seen that before... That's pretty neat to see it from the highway. That's like, what, Route 100? And, uh, yeah, from a distance, uh, even from a distance, that bridge is impressive. Cantilever Bridge, St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, as the up train on the Piscataquist Railroad was rounding a sharp curve between Blanchard and Shirley Friday morning, a huge rock was noticed between the rails, but a short distance ahead. The engine whistled a sharp down brakes, and by... The best endeavors of, endeavors of the trainmen, they succeeded in coming to a stop just as the engine came against the rock. The rock had fallen out of an overhanging bank upon the track, having been loosened in its position by the recent rain. I could almost feel the brakes squealing. Uh, China and Japan were, will fight for Korea as the headline. China continues making preparation for war on the Korean frontier in view of Russian aggression. 
It is stated that China and Japan are jointly acting for that purpose. The Japanese minister to China is staying at Tencent and has daily interviews with Li Hung Chang. So on this day in 1885, they were still mucking about over there like they are today. Russian atrocities were practiced on an English clerk. The Russians imprisoned a clerk of the English consul at Azkabad and flogged him and threatened him with death unless he divulged the names of the English agents who are secretly appearing on the frontier. Finally, after a spell of hard labor, they released him. He has arrived at Meshed. There are numerous indications of Russian aggressive intention on the frontier. Oh, let's see. We had cholera outbreaks in 250 places in Spain and little credence given to the report that it's decreasing. I think largely caused by contaminated water, right? Uh, the Orangemen in London celebrated the anniversary of the Battle of Boyne on Sunday. A man was shot and another killed trying to destroy orange decorations. Fifty houses have been burned in the Russian city of Kursk. Just some of the, the international headlines. Uh, on this day in 1885, uh, President Cleveland, some members of his cabinet, went on a Sunday fishing junket a few days before, actually. And the significance of this story we wanted to point out. Telegraph wires were extended to their sporting resort so that they might be informed of the death of Secretary Bayard's wife if it occurred. The Woodmont Club has 3,000 acres of the timberland on the banks of the Upper Potomac and whither they went. It is a splendid ground for game and fish and was a favorite resort of President Arthur, but the latter never made a junket there when the wife of a cabinet officer was dying. The president's train was fully stocked for a good day's sport and it's possible the party will not return before Tuesday morning. If the news should come of Mrs. Bayard's death, the fishing perhaps might stop. The church people in Washington read of this Sunday morning with curious comments, and the most earnest, excuse me, earnest supporters of the administration were not quite prepared to say that this Sunday junket was in harmony with the occasion. Translation, they shouldn't have gone fishing while somebody was dying. Well, I thought that was interesting. At this time, they were running... You know, even then they would run uh, phone lines uh, up to uh, an area where the president would be so they had communication. 1885, it's hard to think that technically they were that advanced. Uh, let's see, from Richmond, Maine, Chaz, Flag and Son Undertakers missed a sum of money from their money drawer on Saturday evening. From his suspicious movements, a lad named Judge nine or ten years old, was accused of the theft. He stoutly denied it and maintained his position until about one o'clock Sunday morning when he confessed to having taken the money and thrown it in a mud puddle. Search was immediately made and the sum, $96, was found. Final action in the case has not yet been decided upon. A cool-blooded thief on Sunday evening walked into A.E. Small's furnishing goods store while the attendants were busy laid down his old hat and walked out with a nice new one on his head. He could not be found afterwards. What a crime in Richmond, huh? From Lisbon Street, uh, they termed it a riot. 
The officers get into a mess on Saturday evening. Three arrests made in an affair of chivalry. At about 10 o'clock Saturday evening, the police attempted to arrest Lizzie Backley of Auburn, who was intoxicated and disorderly on Lower Lisbon Street. Officer Audlin first approached her and told her to move on, and she said she would. A crowd got collected around the officer and the young woman, and out of the crowd stepped a man who told the officer that he was Lizzie Buckley's brother and that he would see that she went along quietly and to her home. The officer acquiesced and offered assistance. They proceeded up the street and across to the other side not far from the city building. It was near here that the officer caught a clearer glimpse of the man who proffered relationship to the girl and recognized him as an old offender and as of not the remotest relationship. In his attempt to arrest the couple, his arm was caught and he was given a blow over the head by someone. A general scuffle ensued. A second assailant from the crowd grabbed him by the throat. Officer Hanscom came to the assistance of Officer Audlin and the latter uh, arrested the younger fellow who had taken him by the throat and took him in. Uh, Officer Hanscom was assaulted in his attempts to arrest Lizzie Buckley and her fictitious brother, whose real name is Austin. A man named Ryan struck out at him and bit him through the thumb. The officer blew his whistle and assistance came in response. Both Austin and Lizzie Buckley were locked up. The courtroom was packed at the hearing Monday morning. Lizzie Buckley looked uh, petulant in a clean white muslin dress. Oh dear. The courtroom wasn't big enough to hold all that wanted to get in. Lizzie Buckley pleaded guilty to intoxication and disturbance and was sentenced to Auburn jail for 30 days. Francis Doyle was sentenced for assault on the officer, said that he mistook the officer for one of the parties assaulting the girl, that his assault was entirely chivalrous. He was fined $3 in costs. Willis Austin, the pseudo-brother in the affair, was discharged on a warrant for assault on the officer, the charge being not proven. What a tangled mess in, in Auburn on Lisbon Street, lower Lisbon Street. Uh, we had, let's see, a landslide at Cherry Mountain near Jefferson, New Hampshire last Friday. It was termed enormous. It was the greatest slide that ever occurred in the White Mountain region. We don't even have a picture of that one. We have some letters, talks with correspondents. Does any serious effects uh, ever felt follow the loss of cud in ruminating animals? Many people, and among them some pretty well-informed farmers, seem to think so, and if an animal is ailing and ceases to chew its cud, will make a cud of it for wet hay, salt, pork, etc. That's from E. Brooks. The answer is, we are inclined to the belief that such teaching and practice is all nonsense. Let's see here. A cow, when sick, a cow, when sick, uh, oh sorry, ceases to chew her cub, that there's no sign that she's lost it or wants another one. When an animal ceases to chew the cud, it is one of the best evidences that she's sick. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. I don't chew my cud. It is not unfrequently happens that young stock is shedding their teeth, drop the cud from the mouth when a tooth becomes detached from the jaw, 
but no inconvenience is occasioned by the circumstance. Here's another question. I have a two-year-old colt which has a reddish, angry-looking wart growing on the inside of its thigh. It's about the size of a large bean and grows perceptibly from week to week. What had I better apply to cure it? And the answer is, this is apparently a bleeding wart which, is, which it is not best to dissect out. Apply frequently a strong solution of blue vitriol, sulfate of copper, to the wart. Go get yourself some blue vitriol and put it on your watch, people. Uh, will raspberry sprouts set out this fall beer next season? Answer, not very profusely. If the sprouts are set early, say the last of August or earlier, they will still get quite a start and such will blossom quite freely. But spring set plants can only be depended upon for a full crop. Uh, what is the largest strawberry grown? are the large berries of good quality. Answer is the sharp list is the largest we have seen and it's a very fine berry. At what age should pigs be weaned? What is a good food for them after taken from the sow? Should pigs be fed more than twice a day? Four to six weeks is the usual time of taking pigs from the sow. Give them what milk they will drink if you have it to spare. Do not feed very much cornmeal. A thin slop of milk, ground oats, bran, and cornmeal is a good diet for pigs. Yes, pigs just taken from the dam need feeding more than twice a day. It seems as though any young man must have observed that the young of all animals take their food oftener than night and morning. Feed four or five times a day for a while, and then a new noon feed will suffice. So that's that whole eating like a pig thing four or five times a day. Well, let's get to our uh, our non-crab crab of the day, our main crab of the day. It's our, our animal here is a horseshoe crab. Have you ever seen one of those? They're a funny looking creature. Talk about prehistoric. They uh, the horseshoe crab. They look they look like something out of a monster movie. They got a big long spiny tail and that hard shell top. They're actually quite harmless. The order is uh, Xyphosura, common name of four species of marine arthropods, more closely related to spiders uh, and scorpions, and they're found on the east coast of Asia and North America. The one in Maine is the Limulus polyphemus. And you know, we should, we should mention as an order of correction here an editorial point of correction on the Down East Mike podcast. We had a pronunciation error. We said, I think we said aphid and it's supposed to be aphid. And you know, it's hard enough talking for half an hour in a fake main accent holding your jaw in a certain position without getting all the pronunciations right. And to our credit, we did find one place where it said uh, aphid and aphid. So We'll let that one slide, but we do try to pay attention to pronunciation so we don't offend delicate grammar ears. Uh, horseshoe crabs have been around for more than 300 million years, making them older than dinosaurs. They look like prehistoric crabs, but they're actually, as we said, more closely related to scorpions and spiders. The horseshoe crab is a hard exoskeleton and 10 legs, which it uses for walking along the seafloor. You know, I remember as a lad on the Demerscotter River seeing them come up at, uh, as the tide would come in and they'd come marching along the mud flats. 
Uh, let's see, that's kind of boring. They, oh, they have nine eyes scattered throughout the body and several more light receptors near the tail. How bizarre is that? The head is the largest part of the body, contains much of the nervous and biological organs. The head has the brain, heart, mouth, the nervous system, and glands all protected by a large plate. And the head also protects the largest set of eyes, but they have the, the nine eyes. The other eyes and light receptors are useful for determining movement and changes in moonlight. The more you look into horseshoe crabs, the spookier they get. We'll get into that in just a second. Um, middle part of the body is the abdomen. It looks like a triangle with spines on the sides and a ridge in the center. The spines are movable and help protect the horseshoe crab. On the underside of the abdomen are muscles used for movement and gills for breathing. The third section, the horseshoe crab's tail, is called the telson. You know... Uh, Elon Musk will name the car after that, the Telson. It's long and pointed, and although it looks intimidating, it's not dangerous, poisonous, or used to sting. Horseshoe crabs use the Telson to flip themselves over if they happen to be pushed on their backs. Females are one-third larger than the males. They grow up to 19 inches long. Uh, horseshoe crabs like to dine at night on worms and clams and may also eat algae. Horseshoe crab picks up the food with appendages located in the front of its mouth. Because it has no mandible or teeth, it, the horseshoe crab will crush food between its legs before passing, passing it to the mouth. Now, here's where we get into the spooky part. What is horseshoe crab blood used for? Folks, there's a picture out there on the internet of horseshoe crabs being uh, the blood being taken from them for research. It's right out of a horror movie. It's awful. Horseshoe crab blood is bright blue. It contains important immune cells that are exceptionally sensitive to toxic bacteria. When those cells meet invading bacteria, they clot around it and protect the rest of the horseshoe crab's body from toxins. Scientists have used these clever blood cells to develop a test called the limulus amoebocyte lysate, or LAL, which checks new vaccines for contamination. This technique has been used all over the world since the 1970s to stop medical professionals giving out jabs full of bad bacteria that could make humans sick. It's great for humans because vaccines save us from all sorts of unwanted diseases, including measles and mumps. It's not so great for horseshoe crabs. Thousands of them are rounded up and bled every year. I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, let's see. American horseshoe crabs not considered endangered, uh, although the number of crabs caught is the number of crabs caught in the U.S. is monitored. American regulators and manufacturers also create guidance on how to reduce the number of crabs killed during the bleeding process, which is helping. Some crab populations are now increasing, although others are still struggling. Uh, they have started a sustainability program rescuing crabs from rescuing eggs from crabs that have already been caught. Uh, let's see, in, in Asia, it's a little, little less promising. Their, their crab mating grounds are being destroyed by rising sea levels and where buildings are being put up, construction there. Since 2019, they've called for stronger rules to protect horseshoe crabs, more scientific research, and better protections for coastal habitat.
Well, that is about our, about it for our podcast today. You can go look for a horseshoe crab on the shore. We didn't do the international headlines because, you know, you can look that up. Uh, it's, it's all pretty grim out there today. But let's look at our weather, our National Weather Service forecast for today. Uh, be partly uh, foggy this morning, otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 85. Nice summer day. West wind around 5 miles per hour for tonight. Partly cloudy with low around 60. And for Thursday, a chance of showers. Thunderstorms possible after 2 p.m. Otherwise partly sunny with a high near 80. We have a light uh, north wind around 5 miles per hour becoming southeast in the afternoon. And looking out ahead, uh, mostly sunny for Friday, Saturday sunny, highs around 80 both days. We need the rain. Uh, we certainly do. It's getting getting to be kind of dry here. But until next time, this is Down East Mike, wishing you and your loved ones a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. Until next time, we'll see ya. up slow clouds on the bay and it's gonna snow I'm sneaking out the door with my coffee cup dogs gotta go and the wife's not up I'm plowing snow in the rain and I'm mowing in the sun I work 80 hours and I can't get her done I could live anywhere so I must be insane I choose to live in Down East Maine. Scrap metal in today, I got a load of pipe, a muffler. A stove and a kid's old bike. It's another hundred dollars. We'll take it to the store. Give a bit to the governor. He'll just want more. I'm plowing snow in the rain and I'm mowing in the sun. I work 80 hours and I can't get her done. I could live anywhere, so I must be insane. I choose to live.
and down East Maine. 